0: this is a download from bfm 89.9 the business station it was a an interesting (laughs) very interesting game a lot of tactical stuff on the pitch but filled with um legs and life and energy and stuff like both teams played on an incredible energy level to to close the other team down to use the the few opportunities to work for them to play for them and all that stuff so i thought that was a, a top 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 game we have to talk that no team who plays on Wednesday night away or in Champions League should have the 1230 kickoff on Saturday. That's not allowed. And Tottenham played on Thursday in Ludogratz and had today the 12 o'clock kickoff. Honestly, you play Sunday, no problem. Play Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, but not the 12:30. That's a complete killer. You wake up and you play football, after in a complete recovery phase. The Premier League has to change that. It's not possible. And if Sky, BT, you, everybody has to talk to each other, sit on the table. You want, you want to have good football. So then give the boys at least a few hours more. We don't ask for next day or Monday night because that's not possible. There's the next game coming. We had after the triple header in the. In the last international break, we played at 12.30. The boys played Wednesday night in Peru. So, and I played That's not possible. Somebody has to start thinking.
1: Off the Ball
2: kicks off now on BFM 89.9.
3: Jurgen Klopp with a few choice things to say about the scheduling of the Premier League after Liverpool's 1-1 draw with Man City on Sunday. Hello there. Welcome to Off the Ball with me, Ross, and the guys. The guys being Craig Wilkie. Hello, Craig. Good evening, Ross.
1: Good evening, everyone. Des Korkilz also here. Hello, Dez. Uh, the magnificent Jürgen is right and wrong. If they don't want to play, don't take the money. <laughs> there you go, that's our show Sorted out already uh, Arvind
3: Sidhu is also here Miffed about something, I don't know, I wonder what it could be
2: Hello Arvind. Hello everyone, <laughs> on a weekend where we've had multiple changes At the top, I bet Lester is saying Right now, stop the count, stop the count That's what Lester <laughs> is saying right now
3: <laughs> Very good, very good uh, Credit to Southampton FC For that one uh, Do tweet at BFM Radio Also follow us on social media It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. We do have a YouTube channel up and running. It is TFIF on video. Please check it out. Uh, as usual on Mondays, we go back through the weekend's big big games. And on Sunday, it was Man City one, Liverpool one. Uh, Craig Wilkie, Jurgen Klopp started with an all-out attacking lineup. A lot of talk about whether Firmino was going to be dropped for Diego Jota,
4: but no, all four of them played. Yeah, he surprised us all, didn't they? Mr. Klopp, as you say, all the pre-match hype was about whether Firmino would finally be dropped. I think there's been a lot of criticism he's come in for, for lack of goals and maybe not playing up to quite some of the high standards that he's set over the last couple of seasons. But being no doubt, he's still a hugely important player for Liverpool. If you were to ask Salah or Mane how much they enjoy playing alongside him, they would say, yeah, he's still delivering a lot for the team. But Jota's come in, made a magnificent start to his Liverpool career was there in the first team on merit for a huge game like that. I think, of course, we just all expected that it would be at Firmino's expense. But Klopp pulled a little bit of a tactical surprise. I think it worked okay. But one of the results of it was that the teams rather cancelled each other out. I mean, it was quite a good game. It was quite a high-intensity game. But you could see tactically they were just measuring up against each other. And so it was quite difficult for either side to to really get ahead and really establish some dominance in the game. So 1-1, probably a fair result in the end. And I think for Liverpool away from home, you take that, go back with a point and not, not a bad outcome, really.
3: Probably slightly happier with that than Pep Guardiola. Yeah, I um, would say so. We heard Jurgen Klopp, Des, at the start, bemoaning the scheduling. Liverpool's lost Trent Alexander-Arnold to, to, to injury. They've already, they're already missing Van Dyke, Fabinho, Thiago. Has he got a point? I mean, he's talking about, for example, United returned 4 a.m. Friday. They played the 12.30 kickoff on Saturday. So that's he's what very, he's about.
1: Yeah, he's got a valid point on that. But what they can't have, the, the, the teams, they can't have their cake and eat it. So if BT have paid a stupid amount of money, BT are perfectly within their rights to actually say, we want this game at uh, with, the BT's, the Sunday night, ad. I, I don't know which is, uh, I'm not in the UK, but we want this particular game. No, no, you're going to have Southampton versus Newcastle instead. No, no, it doesn't quite work like that. So give me some of my money back. If the clubs are happy to refund money and we saw how unhappy they were during the COVID lockdown period, then fine. If they will give money back to the broadcast companies, no problem. But until if they actually say, I want your money and I want to dictate when we play, your viewers do not count. No, it doesn't work like that.
3: I think Des is a bit too harsh, bit black and white there. Arvin represents BT in Malaysia, let me say. So, Arvin, can you sort it out? <laughs> no, I'll
2: try. I'll, I'll get on the phone right after this. Just yeah. we'll,
3: we'll yeah, con- have convoy. a word with Mr. <laughs> British Telecom himself, will you? Uh, um, Man City, uh, chance missed there. You wouldn't expect De Bruyne to miss the penalty for starters. Even sent uh, the goalie, Ellison, the, the wrong way, didn't he? Um, but Yeah, big chance lost out there.
2: Yeah, it is. And I I was reading a stat, I think it was the first penalty since 2018 that someone hasn't tested the goalkeeper. And the last one was actually Riyad Mahrez when he missed it against Liverpool as well. So that's a trend for you. But yeah, I I felt it it was a good first half. A first half, really, a good advert for the game. It seemed, it looked like two heavyweight boxers. Every time someone attacked, you felt like something was going to happen. Second half got a little bit more cagey. But City... In in essence, when you look at the game as a whole, the missed penalty. Uh, Gabriel Jesus had a great header opportunity that he missed. Um, so, in that sense, I agree with Craig that Liverpool will go away happier than the two on their last three visits to to the Etihad. They have lost, so they would have go away happier from this. But yeah, at the end of the game, it seemed like both the coaches agreed on on a, on a great good spectacle. Everyone went away happy. One or
3: yeah. Good, good ad for, for the British game, despite what the managers say. Uh, I tell you, who's a really happy bunny? Or who he was, and he probably still is uh, Southampton's Austrian manager, Ralph Hassenhuttle. Now, the Saints played on Friday night, they had a convincing 2 0 home win against Newcastle, a win that catapulted Southampton to the top of the table. I believe the last time they were there was 1988, Des Corkill. <laughs> that, that must have
1: been back in the Latissier days, right? Uh, early Letitia days. So it's, is it a post-Keegan, Alan Ball? It may be just after that team. So uh, so Southampton are, play, are playing some nice football. They're pressing. Uh, what Almiron was doing for Newcastle to concede that first goal, I'm really not quite sure because they've cleared <laughs> it. They've got it out and you can play in certain places. But where teams are pressing, and this is the difference. More teams are pressing. More yeah. teams are trying to win Games of football, and it means the league is a better spectacle as a result. Nonetheless, Jay Adams has made a terrific strike. Goalkeeping wise, I feel for Carl Darlow. He's just pulled off a worldie. Yeah. Put it out, and Almiron loses it, and he gets hit, hit with another. And Darlow's made four or five re, re, really top draw saves. So, uh, yeah, Southampton are great because I'll, I'm sorry to repeat myself as I have every week for the last five years. They're trying to win games. And yeah. if you try to win games, you will get a reward. Can I just go back on on Arvind? I need to fact check Arvind. Don't believe everything you read on Twitter because the last time a goalkeeper wasn't tested from a penalty was when Mitrovic slammed one off the top of the crossbar. That's not testing the goalkeeper. Twitter is not the Bible. Twitter is not always right. Don't believe everything we see, we read on it.
3: However, des.com is the place for all your football fans. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, all right. Uh, what, what will we be talking about? Totally lost my train of thought there. Um, oh, yeah. Southampton. Southampton. And, 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 and <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, the Saints are, are flying positively without inks at the moment. Do You see what I just did there. Oh, I see. <laughs> he spent oh. all weekend, right? Now, one. Hey, 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 West. credit <laughs> to West Live. Hello, hello. Um, but, but the, it's good stuff, Arvin. It, they're good to watch. Um, do, what can we say about Newcastle? I mean, considering that the game previously where they, they were really impressive, you could see a dejected Steve Bruce after the game. He was so flat. He was just, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: F- F- Fabian Shaw came out and said, and and I'm trying to put this in 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 Correctly termed words, everyone was crap because literally, <laughs> he literally came on and said everyone was crap because everyone in that team on the day didn't show up except Carl Dallo. Caldalo kept it, kept the score down. Uh, but Jeff Hendrick had no impact in midfield. St. Alan Maxim, since he signed his contract, doesn't seem to have any interest in playing the game over there. Jamal LaSalle looked like he and, and on days like that, you expect someone like Jamal LaSalle to step up, to show, to show courage to. To, to be a bit more bolder and stronger at the back, he wasn't. But yeah, they just lost too many balls. I, I thought they, they were outplayed at every department. But really, Southampton right now, for me, champagne football, flicks, tricks, layoffs. When you see Oriel Romeo hitting the bar from as yeah. far as he is, then you <laughs> yeah. know you're doing something right. So, yeah. in that sense, for me, the best form in the division the last six games, and, and, and rightfully so, because Hasan Hattal has done a fantastic job for them. I was, I was reading this, and, and Des, this will be correct. 2009, Southampton, 22nd in League One. These past few days, top of the Premier League. What a transformation.
3: What a transformation. Well down Southampton.
2: Well Southampton. Well Southampton. Just one
1: fact check, please. Caldalo saved the shot from Oreo, and he went onto the bar. It was a save. He, he
3: did. He did get fingertips. All right. I love yeah. how he fights for the goalkeepers. Des.com wins again. <laughs> <laughs> has so, got to be defending Pickford by the end of this, isn't it? <laughs> you better open up des.com. I've given it enough. Plugs. <laughs> so, Craig Wilkie, how far can the Saints go? This, this has, I, I know we're only eight games in. Let, let's not get ahead of ourselves. But, I mean, this is good football. This is without Danny Ings as well.
4: No, let's get ahead of ourselves. That's what we do. <laughs> <Please. laughs> champions They've won the European Cup. <laughs> well, that's that's a little bit ahead of ourselves. But... As you say, without Danny Ings, everybody was wondering how they would respond to that situation because he's been, he hasn't carried them. They're not a one-man team at all, but he's definitely been the talisman, not only this season, but but for a while now. But Adams has stepped up. I thought Walcott had a superb game. He did Armstrong, really as, Armstrong as well.
3: Yeah,
4: you know, Got a really, really good goal, which is pleasing from a Scottish perspective as we look ahead to a big game later on this week. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you go back to Huddle and He's come in and he's adapted to the English league. He's got that team playing in the way that he wants. And you can tell that they trust him. They can trust the way that he wants to play football. And if you look at 2020 as a calendar year, bizarre, extraordinary year that it's been, you could make a very strong case for Hassan Huddle being manager of the year in the calendar year. Of course, you've got to give such, such credit to Klopp for what he's done in finally delivering the title for Liverpool. But if you look at that series of games over the course of this year, 2020, even the way they finished last season, and of course, how they have started this season, Absolutely fantastic what's happening at Southampton. So, yeah, yep. let's get a little bit carried away on their behalf. <laughs> good, good. Uh, what, that,
3: that's one manager who's sitting in his recliner, all happy in his office, <laughs> as opposed to the Norwegian one uh, in Manchester, who's been a bit stressed recently, losing to Arsenal the week, uh, the week before and then to Istanbul, uh, comically, in midweek. Uh, he went to Everton under pressure, Oleg Gunnar Solskjaer, uh, but his... Talisman Bruno Fernandes stepped up and delivered. It was a 3-1 win to, to Man United. Um, it was good football, but again, I mean, um, I will come to the injuries later. There were injuries for, for Rashford and Luke Shaw. Um, this was the one where they literally got back 4 a.m. And, <laughs> on Friday, and it was a 12.30 kickoff in Liverpool. So you can understand Solskjaer was actually I've never seen him that angry and animated before. He actually laid into the poor cameraman.
1: <laughs> yeah, that 20-mile drive is really, really tough on the legs.
3: <laughs> you know, it's stressful, right?
1: Okay, so I, I i kind of agree with it, but they're taking the money. Okay. They qualified for Europe, and they're taking the money. All
3: right, so, football then, football. Okay, um, the
1: football. Okay, yeah. so so many of you Manchester United fans are writing off Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and I kind of been saying for the last four years, get rid of Pogba. No, Pogba. Completely different attitude to this team. Completely. There was fight. There was organisation. There was desire. There was uh, the recovery from from a goal down. Uh, they they deserve this against a, a not bad Everton. they not a great Everton, but a not bad Everton. Take Pogba out. You 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 take the problem out of the team and you improve the collective massively. Pogba's I hear
3: what I, I hear what you're saying, Des, um, but. Over the course of 100 games here, Arvin, I'm going to come to you. Over the course of 100 games here, Man United fans have seen top results, good results, really good results against top, top teams. And then mini crisis of a run of three, three games, three losses on the bounce. And then there'll be another comeback. And then there'll be another mini crisis. This, is, this has gone on for about 100 games. Uh, is, it, is it manager? Is it player problem? What do you reckon?
2: I think it's a combination of things, In that club. I think you have to look at the board. You have to look at at, at the managers. You have to look at some players, like Des has pointedly rightly pointed out. Uh, Pogba is someone who I feel um, has passed where the level that we expected for him for United. He never really delivered, but like like what like it was a good win on the weekend. But let's keep let's not let's not wax lyrical about it. Ole avoided three defeats in a week. If he he had lost that week in that game, he would have lost three in a week, right? Uh, But overall, the one bit that I'm really, really proud of and I I really like reading such statements is someone like Bruno Fernandes. Bruno Fernandes coming out and saying, leadership for me is everyone in that team. He's a number 10. He provides it. Everyone needs to step up. So Bruno Fernandes for me has been such a bright spark for them. And long may it continue. Because I think if you have characters like Bruno and you have more characters like that, United will be fine compared to having the likes of Pogba.
3: I'm just going to add to what you just said there. <clears throat> Bruno, on a hat-trick, bearing down on goal, decides and, to and set up Cavani to... for his first. That's captain material. I mean, from a from on, fan's and, point of view.
2: And on top of that, the Rashford goal. I mean, that the, they thought it was going to be a Rashford goal with a little flick of yeah, his head. And he also said,
3: you can claim it. It <laughs> doesn't
2: matter. It doesn't matter. Rashford can claim it. That shows that you're playing for the team. So uh, Bruno Fernandez for me, is someone who... I feel a lot of United players can aspire to be well done so far, the lad. Wait,
1: wait till the end of season uh, negotiations for wages, then we'll see if he gives the goal to Rushford. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Craig, quick word about Everton.
3: Um, has the bubble burst there at Goodison? Um, their defense looked terrible. And this is coming from, from a United fan point of view. <laughs> How can a United fan say that's the bad defense? <laughs>
4: I don't know if the bubble has burst, but it's certainly deflated, hasn't it? I, I thought it was the, the quietest game that I've seen Rodriguez have in an Everton shirt. i I think, maybe carrying still a little bit of a knock or something like that. He didn't look quite as sharp and the creative spark that we've come to expect from him. The big question for me, though, and why was Pickford back in goal? Yeah. I, I, I really, exactly it's such a mystery. I mean, he's, in, he's been in such a poor run of form, playing calamitously, really. And there was a couple of other examples of that on the weekend. He gets dropped. There is, Olsen comes in, has a decent game, <laughs> looks like he's studying things, and then all of a sudden, Pickford's back in the goal. And you could see that the back four, you know, we talked about the vulnerability, just felt that little bit shakier because of the fact that he was, he was behind him. So that was a very, very bizarre decision for me. Maybe it, maybe it was Ancelotti's plan all along that he would just take him out for a little bit and then put him, put him back in, see if he could get his confidence back, but it was too soon for me. yeah. All right. Uh,
3: last word about Pickford uh, as we go into the break. Des, yet again, I mean, we saw him scythe down Van Dijk. This time it was a, a kick to the guts of uh,
1: a, a Maguire. But again, very, very different circumstances. And I, 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 just, just a word about goalkeepers. Goalkeepers, are, they're seen to just make shot stops. But there's so much more than that. It's their starting position. It's uh, their, con- their communication with defenders. It's not a great example if you've gone a lost 3-1 to Manchester United. But their communication, their understanding as a, as, you, as a unit, their starting position, their role in the team. It's not just about making the saves. And Pitbull can, can make the wonderful saves. So if you've got a number one, I'm, I'm, I'm always against uh, chopping and changing goalkeepers because you need that unit. So I, I understood Ancelotti. However, a 3-1 defeat isn't the best example for me to, to, to put my case forward. But I, I do think a goalkeeper is part of a, of a unit and is, is very important. Pickford's top, top, top class. He'll come back. He's top class.
3: All right, brilliant stuff. We are breaking for a very short while. Stay tuned. We'll come back, talk about the mighty palace.
2: <laughs> well, the rules have been clarified and, and they've looked to, to balance things fair in a fairer fashion.
3: Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Immediate thrust, recognisable certainty, and a nasty dig in the ribs. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Thanks for sticking with us. Craig Wilkie, Des Corkill, and Arvin Sidhu joining me this Monday evening to look back at the weekend's football. Crystal Palace 4, Leeds United 1. Sounds like a thrashing. It is a thrashing, but bit more to, to, to the match than that. Uh, Palace were 1-0 up when Patrick Bamford had a very decent goal ruled out harshly. VAR judged his fingernail to be offside. His arm pointing to where he wanted the ball was offside. I'm going to let loose Arvin Sidhu, who's a Leeds United fan, <laughs> first of all. Arvin, your thoughts on that?
2: Okay, how do I put this? Um I'm going to try, and I believe, and I was talking to a couple of friends over the weekend when this happened, I honestly believe every team will get robbed this season by VAR. There will be a diabolical decision. Some have had it, some haven't had it. Every team will get robbed. Now, you, you cannot paper over the cracks that Leeds played poorly from a defensive standpoint. There's no doubt about it. And Craig will know Liam Cooper, Scottish international captain. Since his coming, we've conceded quite a few goals. But if, if the game is coming to a point when a striker is indicating where he wants the ball to be played so that the pass can go through and in no way interfering play at all, I I, I struggle to understand where this beauty of our, our football game is going to go because it was a perfectly good goal. It was a well-taken goal by a man on confidence and he came back and he scored again. So in my view, it, it and, and it came out, quite a few articles have come out and saying it's been potentially the worst decision of the season. Uh, Van Van Dyke getting injured by Pickford was another one that was quite diabolical. But really, if the game is coming to a point where strikers cannot indicate where they want the ball to go for an attacking standpoint, what is there to do? Are you expecting players to keep their hands down when they run at all times? So for me, (laughs) it was just crazy. It was just crazy. But on a Leeds front... Oh, besides all of that, let's not let's not beat around the bush. Leeds are being taught a harsh Premier League lesson right now. Not being able to defend, clear their lines. They're missing Calvin Phillips badly. Bielsa is not happy with what's happening, and they need to turn it around very quickly.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay, um, Des. It's funny that we on Monday we, we talk about VAR ruining a game. Um, odd that, isn't
0: it?
1: VAR's yeah, crap. Scrub it. <laughs> technically, <laughs> technically, it's correct. So we should all be happy. And the fact that every team is going to suffer a catastrophic decision. That's fairness. That's equality. Remember how VAR was sold to us? It will get rid of all controversy. It is just <laughs> get rid of it. Get rid of it. It's dreadful. Onto Crystal Palace. Onto Crystal Palace. They played four attacking players. They tried to win the game of football against Leeds United. Look at the difference. Look at the difference. If you try to win games of football, you score goals. You can uh, capitalize against teams who aren't quite at their best. Crystal Palace attack. Wow. Must be Friday the 13th coming up. Must be 2020. Bizarre. Bizarre things going on in the world. Next, next, we'll have VAR scrapped and then we could all be happy.
3: i tell you why Palace played with four players. Apparently, Roy Hodgson downloaded one of our earlier shows and her Des said that they're not worth their place in the Premier League. <laughs> I
1: didn't say that. I said not. They're not worth watch. They're not worth paying to watch in the Premier League.
4: Very but different. I think, no, exactly. I mean, we have
1: we have proof that
4: Hodgson has been listening to this show. I think
3: absolutely. Uh, that's that's conclusive, Craig. That's conclusive. Uh, but uh, a little bit more about Palace. I thought that Eberichi Eze, What a game! What a beautiful free kick. He he looks a really good player, and I'm surprised Zaha let him take that free kick.
4: <laughs> yeah, so many surprises in this game. Well, the fact that Crystal Palace score four goals, there's one surprise. Crystal Palace score four goals and Zaha doesn't score any of them. Uh, it just shows you that they do have a bit more widespread attacking talent than perhaps we sometimes give them credit for. So, yeah, fanta- and maybe we are a little bit harsh on Palace and Hodgson on occasion. They, they prove that they're actually just a very good Premier League side. And as Arvind mentioned, a bit of a lesson for the likes of Leeds coming up that you don't get away with mistakes like that at that level. You will get punished by teams like Palace. But I just want to make one point on VAR. And of course, I agree with the guys of how ridiculous it's been. And I'm I'm fully with Des that it should be scrapped. But what's interesting to me is we saw after the games at the weekend, Solskjaer Klopp came out, put on a United front about kickoff times. Your managers clearly feel very, very strongly about that issue. I'm sure they feel equally strongly about VAR. And I think it's time that they actually came out after a game and said, hang on. We saw a little bit of it before. I think Hodgson did it once earlier in the season. But managers, players, fans as well. I mean, we can keep talking about it, almost laughing about it, but it's not funny anymore. People have actually got to be held accountable. And we have to say, no, this has gone too far. Enough is enough. And it has to start with the managers and the players. And I really hope that if there's another incident like the one we saw, the ridiculous one that we saw for Bamford, that a manager comes out after the game and actually just really goes crazy about it because it's time for that to happen.
3: They, they could put it to a vote, just don't get American people to count the votes. Staying topical, kind of. Um, Chelsea also won 4 uh, 1. It was against Sheffield United at the bridge. Uh, Sheffield United, I thought, hey, hey, David McGoldrick scoring an absolute beauty. That's what you do on a futsal pitch, Des, that the way he. He, he back-heeled kind of the goal in. It was it was good, but it was a false dawn, and and
1: Chelsea showed the strength. Chelsea are good. Chelsea are very good. They've sorted out defensively. I think the centre back pairing that they've got sorts them out. It gives them confidence to push forward. Werner's outstanding. Zayic has a, a left foot to die for. Oh, what a ball that was in for for Ben Chilwell. But tell you what, they could be real contenders. They've. Uh, I was uh, not critical. I was. Fuming that they just gone out and spent money. But my word, they've spent the money very, very well in terms of creating a football team. They will be genuine contenders because that, that group of footballers can play. They've got spirit. Defensively, they've sorted. Um, everything's right. And Golo Kante, I, I, I don't like to say <laughs> I told you so. And Golo Kante is just the little uh, block in front of midfield It allows everybody else to play. Everybody else plays because Kante allows them to play. He's an incredible. Incredible player,
3: yeah, Hakim Ziyech. Uh, he's going to be some addition to this Chelsea squad. But uh, can we, Arvin, maybe look at Aaron Ramsdale? I- I'm thinking Chilwell's goal. He was beaten on the near post. He totally lost the flight of the ball. Um, I- Dean Henderson maybe would have done a little bit better. But being a bit harsh here,
2: uh, I've watched quite a bit of Sheffield United this season, and to be honest, Ramsdale has been one of their. They're better players. He's been someone who's actually come out of games doing really, really well. So I think uh, an odd mistake like that, a 4-1 was still going to be evidently happening. So there wasn't much that, that that they could have done. But yeah, again, when back to Chelsea. First team in the Premier League to score 20 Premier League goals this season. I think if you look at Hakim Ziyech very closely, very, very closely, you will see him wearing a magician's hat because that guy, <laughs> my God. Oh my God. I mean, um. That, that that left pack, like what um, like that says, that delivery that he does, that that the flight that he gets on that shot when he crosses that ball, very few players can do that. And he's coming a bit under the radar because he came in injured, and then Havertz didn't really set it on light, and Timo Werner was still trying to find his feet. So Hakim Ziyech for me is going to do fantastic things for this Chelsea squad. But again, Kurt Zuma I believe now will learn from Thiago Silva at the back. Uh, Matthew Kovacic was their last season player this season uh, Kante does well but Kovacic does a lot of their work as well for them so good things for, for, for Chelsea a good run of form but a quite interesting set of fixtures that they've got coming up as well soon
3: Yeah, I tell you what Sheffield United uh, take on West Ham and West Brom right after the international break <laughs> Crucial um, do you think that they're, they're on their way down this season Craig Wilkie are they one of those bottom three teams for you?
4: Last week, I made a bit of a spirited defence of Sheffield United. I know. I know. <laughs> and, uh, and this, this weekend maybe perhaps give pause to that. I don't know. It's it's still early days. And, I, yeah, they, it's, it's a bit hard to judge them away at Chelsea. Let's put it that way. I'd like to see how they do in those next two fixtures that you just mentioned. I think West Ham at home and then I think it's a away to West Brom that they have coming up. We'll have a much better idea when they get through that. I agree with you. I think losing Henderson in the goal has definitely affected them a little bit because... Much of their success last season was built on defensive solidity, and that's really what pushed them up the league and helped them to kind of settle in back into the Premier League. So, of course, it's going to be tough, but there's a lot of teams down there who don't look that brilliant right now. So, yeah. just as we're excited, just as we're excited about the fact that I think we're going to have a title race and a, and a quite a wide title race potentially, which is great. Similarly, when it comes to the bottom, there's five or six teams already that you look at and think, well, they're in the mix now, and they could still be in the mix when it comes to, you know, the business end of the season next year. So it's still, it's still early for Sheffield United, but they'll definitely be a little bit concerned by the way things, and they haven't got a win yet, right? So no. you need to just, just from a pure confidence momentum point of view, you just got to get three points somewhere. And probably in those next two games that you mentioned, really crucial.
3: Yeah, they're probably very much looking to the international break. Right. Speaking of breaks, we're going into one ourselves. Uh, See you on the other side of this.
1: Five yards out, unchallenged, unmarked, makes absolutely no mistake. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. No happy return, but a reality check bordering on a rude awakening.
3: Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Off the ball with me, Ross, on a Monday evening, along with Des Corkill Arvin Sidu, and Craig Wilkie. You can tweet at BFM Radio. You can also follow us on social media. Uh, it's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. We do have a YouTube channel up and running. Do watch and subscribe. It's TFIF on video. Right, let's wrap up uh, the weekend's EPL action then. Uh, the Midlands Derby on Sunday saw Leicester beat uh, Wolves 1-0. It was an injury hit, Leicester City side. And again, VAR played a big part in this one, handing Jamie Vardy a penalty uh, through VAR. (laughs) It was never a handball. uh, The guy was literally two yards away when it struck the the Wolves
1: defender on the arm. Um, Hold on, wait. It was clearly a handball. And there was no need to go to VAR because it clearly stopped the ball coming into the penalty area. Like the Joe Gomez one was clearly a handball. Yeah, in but the there was a City lot more distance. And there is Joe no Gomez. need, there is no need to go to VAR... Because what you're doing is you are taking this decision away from the referee. They're terrified to make decisions. Kilman, it's hit him on the arm. It stopped the ball coming over into the, into the six-yard box. That's a penalty. Gomez, stopped the ball going into the six-yard box. That's a penalty. No two ways about it. No need for any VAR interventions at all.
3: Well, VAR or not, what a great week for Leicester. Three wins in a week, Arvin Sidhu. Uh, how good uh, are this side? Their, their, their stats are even better from this season right now than when they won the title, right? So, can
2: they do it again? I uh, don't think they can do it again, but it will be up there. I mean, they've done really well. Like you said, injuries have hit them quite badly. Wilfred Ndidi, Timothy Castagna. When you take players like that out of your squad, a, a spine like that, it just shows that they've, they've got the resources to be able to do it well. So, again, for them... I, it's, it's so interesting the way that... And I watched this game and I, and I honestly thought it was going to be a much closer than it, it was. But it wasn't. Leicester controlled Wolves. They, they figured out a way to break down Wolves. A Wolves that doesn't score, doesn't let many goals in. Leicester figured it out. So Leicester came across for me as the one that is ready to take that step up next. Wolves is still very solid. Don't get me wrong. The only challenge with Wolves is they're not as fluid attacking-wise as you would expect a team like that to be. Uh, Adama Chore, again, we we wax lyrical. When he comes in, he does these great step stepovers. He does these great passes. But more often than not, there's a reason Nuno starts him from the bench. Because Nuno doesn't trust him across 90 minutes. So, for me, when I looked at this game last night, Leicester, for me, was a team that was ready to take that next step. Wolves still about there. But um, Leicester, I, I feel they've got a lot of encouraging signs, especially when those injured players come back.
3: Yeah, if you're spirit no spiritual Santo Craig, you'd be a little bit miffed about that because... Despite what Des says, I, I thought it was a bit harsh on Kilman, the, the first one. The second one, yeah, the one Vardy missed—that was a penalty. That that was a that was a clear clear penalty. Um, but Wolves, this one is just a bad day at the
4: office. Do you reckon? More or less. I think they've they've had a slightly tricky start to the season. That at times they played quite well. At times they haven't quite been consistent enough. I just wonder. You know, we started the show talking about Jota, and oh, what a great. Signing, he's proven for Liverpool probably better than any of us expected. And it it works in the opposite direction as well, right? It's probably the case that Wolves are missing him more than any of us might have anticipated. And what an important player he'd become at that club. You look at a player like Jimenez, for example, who I don't think has quite hit the heights this season. Still playing okay, but maybe not looking quite as sharp as he was at previous times. Arvin mentioned Triori as well. So there's just been a little bit of a blunting of that that wolves attack for whatever reason. I don't think it's a major issue. They'll they'll probably get it back and they'll recover some of their form as the season goes on. But it's just prevented them from really picking up some some wins so far that they might have felt competitive. And I mean, let's let's do let's do Dez's job though and, and credit Schmeichel for that that save that. What a really save from Neves. One won, won the points at the end because that was it was so well struck. I mean, it was going right in the top corner and he yeah, okay. It's a little bit of time to react to it because of how far out it was, but still an absolutely fantastic save at yeah. that point in the game. And that's that's what a goalkeeper really provides his value. You know, didn't have a lot to do for the ninety minutes, but that one save at such a crucial time it was worth three points. Yeah, indeed.
3: Um, they've been awarded. <laughs> <laughs> they've been awarded eight penalties. Leicester in the Premier League this season. They've scored seven of those. I think Ovardi, all seven, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe no oh, one please. of them. One of
1: them was great day by Patricio as well, Ross. I've got to ask you how you think the Kilman penalty is not a penalty. I I thought it was a bit too close. Literally, it was. It's, He's used his hand. It's Thierry on esque uh, France I,
3: Island. I, does anyone else think uh, Des is is more right than
4: than wrong? I think it's I, back I, to this interpretation of deliberate handball, right? And it's, it's clear now that the law is being decided on if it's a handball, it's a handball, irrespective yeah. of how close you were, irrespective of whether you but, were deliberately but trying but to wait, put your hand in the way or not. But that, that's been a debate. And I think it's, I don't think it, it always works very fairly. I don't fairly. know. For it's me, that one, there was in leg. no
3: way he, he, he looked like a deliberate handball.
4: It's
2: like uh, that. Uh, if this is uh, radio, uh,
3: this uh, doesn't
1: work. <laughs>
2: and when, you, and when you compare the two games of the night the Liverpool one when it was given against Liverpool you saw the Liverpool players complaining yeah. fine it happens right but the Kilman one he's he's literally not that far away it'll come to a point where attackers will literally flick the ball against your hand and everything will be given we'll be looking at a basketball score before, the, before we know it so there has to be a line of what is a judge to be deliberate and stopping the attacking player I get in the law right now anything in the hand it, it's a penalty, but come on. I mean, there will come a point where attackers will feel, I'm just going to get into the box. I'm going to flick the ball against that guy's hand and it's going to be given a penalty for me. And okay. that's where- Patricio, we
1: if Patricio had made that, we would have said it was a great save.
3: Yeah,
2: all right, all right. Yeah, Fair enough.
3: Okay. We move on. It's it's a contentious point. Uh, uh, let's move on and talk about the <clears throat> excuse me the shock result of the weekend. Probably we had Goggs on the Friday show, and he was he's a Villa fan. He's saying I'm not looking forward to this game. Uh, it turned out Arsenal nil, Aston Villa three. Oli Watkins said it was unbelievable to score against his boyhood club. Um, Villa were really really good in this game. Des Corkeil. Again, VAR intervened and, and, and disallowed a, a goal, which I thought was all right.
1: Stupid. Indeed, indeed. But we kind of assume that that's that's one against Aston Villa. But Ollie Watkins, huh? what a great signing. Movement. I think when uh, they bought Barkley, when they got Martinez to add solidity to the defence, Ross Barkley adding a little bit of creativity, Grealish stayed and Ollie Watkins comes in. Villa start to try to win games of football. It's... There's the difference. They took it to uh, an Arsenal side who was still trying to be um, solid rather than trying to win games of football. And there's the result. Villa were terrific. Uh, Grealish just mesmerised. I'm loving watching him at the moment. He's confident. He's taking players on. Barkley is seeing passes, which he always did. But the weight of expectation that was on him at Chelsea and Everton because he's a little boy, seems to have just vanished from his shoulders. And he's, he's, he's great to watch, even though he can't take a corner. But his volleyed passing pass to uh, Watkins for their second goal was sumptuous. Um, so Villa, great fun to watch. And uh, yeah, they'll lose some games by five, but they'll win a few games by five as well.
3: Villa fans can be optimistic. They've won five of their seven games so far this season, and and that's good. That's a lot better than last season. But Arvin, Arsenal were looking to build on this 1-0 win at Old Trafford. Uh, They they even did all right in in the Europa League, came away unscathed, but they they were not at the races this game. You can't blame scheduling. They were the latest game.
2: Yeah, you win at Old Trafford and then you lose at the Emirates. Arsenal haven't scored from open play for close to seven hours. There, there is something concerning because as we talked about, they they, they got Thomas Partey in, they wanted the defence to be a bit more solidified, but it's come really at the expense of that attack of that Arsenal, uh, Arsenal front three. On the basis of, of last night, and I, and I didn't watch it because it was a pretty late game, but I watched the highlights of it, looking at William. Arsenal signed in for free, but it looked like they got robbed last night because he absolutely didn't give them anything at all. Arsenal fans are clamouring and saying, why do we have Aubameyang on the left? Why? Why do we continuously play Aubameyang on the left when when you put him up front, he's more dangerous? Lacazette again missed a sitter last night. So for Arsenal last night, it, it, it didn't really bode well. And were there many highlights for them going forward that wasn't? And you expect that from a home team. So again... Um, The fluidity is a problem. They need to sort it out. And when you know that even the reliable Bukaya Saka is having a bad game, that's when you know things are not working well.
3: Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang failed to take a single shot today. First time that's ever happened to him (laughs) in the Premier League. Uh, Elsewhere, Brighton nil, Burnley nil on Friday. West Ham uh, won an important game, Craig Wilkie. 1-0 against the Fulham. Um, Fulham looked like one of those bottom three teams we're talking about. But the Hammers and, and Moyes, they're pulling out results this season.
4: They are. And I think we should give David Moyes a little bit of credit for... Absolutely. For, for the momentum that West Ham are slowly starting to build. You know, we talked about whether we should get carried away about teams earlier on. I don't think we, certainly think we should get carried away about West Ham. But if you look back to just a few weeks ago when they were 3-0 down at time to Spurs and just looked all over the place and they came back somewhat extraordinarily in that game and managed to salvage a point and ever since then they've built on that a little bit you know they've clearly taken confidence out of that there's some good players in in that squad you know there's hmm. no question about that so it's just a question of can he get them playing in a way can he get them playing a little bit more expansively that's not always been Moise's forte perhaps but maybe he's just trying to do that a little bit but let's also talk about the penalty at the other end I mean, <laughs> my my goodness Scott, Scott Parker was raging after the game and, and you would be, wouldn't you? I mean, if you're given a lifeline like that and you're in a position such as Fulham's and Lukman comes up and tries to do a panenka, I mean, who does he think he is? Zidane, who did it in the World <laughs> Cup final? It was a terrible
3: of- panenka as well. The, the goalie and, and must have been so insulted.
4: Yeah, it was exactly. It was moving slower than the count in Georgia for the US election. Hey! But... I don't even know if it was going to cross the line if the goalkeeper had just left it. You know, it might have spun backwards. It was that bad. So I, I suspect he'll be taking off penalty duties now. For the, for possibly. The rest of the possibly. <laughs> All right, let's, let's wrap
3: up with uh, West Brom nil, Spurs one. This was a dire game to watch. We spoke about Wolves missing players. Matt Doherty, out of that Wolves defence, was massive. He provided the assist... For Harry Kane to provide that one bit of magic that got us the goal in the game, Des. Uh, what a ball. What uh, a ball.
1: He has put it absolutely where the goalkeeper can't come out for it. The centre-back, who's barely a yard off Harry Kane, is just a little bit off the pace. And and Dorothy has just played it in superbly. Uh, you've got to admire that. And you've got to admire the cool finish. Another cool finish from Harry Kane. West Brom, if you're going to defend, learn how to defend. You can't leave a striker who's scored that many goals. Um, you can't give him a yard and a half of space to be first onto that ball. You've got to be goal side, even at my level, Sunday league level. You've got to be goal side if you're a centre-back. You don't let your forward get aside you because he can just push you away. Uh, bad, bad, bad defending. Uh, but a wonderful ball from Matt Mac Tottenham? you know you grind out wins like that and they'll be in that mix as well that top four mix it's going to be a, a really good uh, title race this year really good i think there's going to be a lot football of
3: copyright trademark uh, all right off to our final break we'll wrap up football everywhere else right after this
1: the serial winner has got another trophy for the cabinet
3: off the ball on bfm 89.9
1: this season off and running with a goal inside eight minutes off the ball on BFM 89.9
3: and we're back back with Dez Arvin and Craig Uh, we've done the EPL Uh, Malaysia Cup the last 16 happened this weekend I know Dez was really excited because I saw his tweet you were actually on site at a stadium Dez commentating I'm so envious right now how did it feel?
1: It was wonderful because you can see things, you can hear the smack of the the boot on the ball. When the hip ball hits the back of the net, you hear the neck oh, shh, and the, and you can hear the crowd. Uh, sorry, the 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 coaches shouting, and it's just glorious. It smells of grass and oh! It was fabulous. And the, the game wasn't bad. Um, Penang have got this tactic of, uh, they've got this big fella called Casagrande and they push the ball into him at the back post and he elbows three players out of the way, <laughs> knocks it back down into the middle. It's, it's not very um, pretty, but it's very effective. Penang beat Felder 3-1. Felder, end of the road for them former AFC Cup representatives for Malaysia. They are no more. They were relegated. Uh, the funding, I believe, has been taken out of Felder United. So, so what happens to that
3: beautiful deal. new stadium they built
1: not too long ago? Cool. So there's still clubs in that area who might be able to use it, but it's, it, it's, it's a fair question. It's a wonderful facility. But Felder United, as is, as a professional team, won't be existing next year. Hopefully they'll come back because there were very good things about the club, but um, at the moment, none. As for Penang, they're on the rise. Nice little stadium there. Love to see 15 or 20,000 in that stadium. It would be absolutely pumping. Good facility in the heart of Georgetown. Um, That that was really good. So Penang Mm -hmm. are in the quarterfinals. Johor are in the quarterfinals as they beat um, Kuching by a goal to nil, although it could have been 15. Um, But (laughs) Kuching defended well. Let me just Um,
3: jump in
4: here. Let me just jump. Craig, did you watch Trungano PJ? I did. One Uh, nil, right? it took a while because apparently kickoff was delayed while they repainted the lines. Is that correct, Dave?
1: <laughs> that is correct. It was delayed for 25 minutes because there was a, t- a tropical downpour that uh, kind of washed away, away. The lines, and so the the the, uh, the referee came out, had a look, and uh, stopped it for 25 minutes. But when when they came out, trunganu tried to play, but they've got a brand new pitch at Tringano and it looked rutted. Uh, they've spent yeah, a did. fortune, fortune on that pitch, and it just looked rutted and like tractors are
4: being uh, d- d- drawn yeah. all so over. It made it a bit difficult to play football, to be fair, for both sides. So yeah. the game in the end wasn't the best spectacle in the world, but we march on. So the cup is, cup is still within our grasp. <laughs> we by, by we, I mean Terenganos, Oh, Of course, my, of my course. <laughs> Black and white army. Um, <laughs> exactly. Pe- Perak
3: for Kelantan. What happened to the two games on Sunday, Des? UITM uh, and uh, Slango? Slango beat Malacca, I understand.
1: So, Salango beat Malacca by two goals to one, and they're looking pretty strong, pretty organized. It was a comfortable 2 1. Uh, Malacca only scored uh, late on after, after uh, Sandro had scored a wonderful volley, mm. left footed volley. It comes out the sky, beam, bottom corner. That was a beauty. And UITM, look out for UITM, the little university team. They've got four five foreigners who are strong and big. They've got local lads who are working like dervishes around them. They scored a, a, a winner from uh, a, a Ashraf that was an overhead kick, 15 yards out into the bottom corner. Any league, anywhere in the world, it's it's watchable. It's good stuff. Um, so UITM are in the semifinals. Um, uh, quarterfinals. No, it's, it's all looking good. Uh, quarterfinals. The quarterfinals, because of the RMCO, uh, might have to be moved. We're still waiting for official verification, but they might all have to be played at neutral venues because only, uh, is it only three states yeah. are allowed to yeah. actually have yeah. people coming in. So, so the mm. venues for the quarterfinals have not been settled. But there are some big teams there. Possibility of a JDT-Salango final. Penang could make it through. UITM versus Penang will be a boxing match to really enjoy um loads going on those games take place in the TNPAL of Malaysia on Thursday and Friday the 13th dang, dang,
3: dang, dang. brilliant stuff uh, all right elsewhere in the Classica, i watched this game this was good fun uh, dortmund 2 bayern munich 3 uh, uh the machine move back to the top of the bundesliga arvin uh, it was a really, really good game. When Royce put Dortmund one up, and what a goal it was. I thought, AA, AA, but Bayern being Bayern, you know, and Lewandowski, for me, the best number nine, plying his and trade been, in football.
2: Yeah, we've been saying it for a while, and Erling Haaland is not too far behind, yeah, I believe. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the thing with Bayern is, and this is why they won the Champions League last season, and this is why they continuously do it in the Bundesliga. They don't have, just have a plan A. They've got a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, a plan D. Because they can hurt you in so many ways. All the three goals in the weekend were all different. You're looking at a well-worked set piece. You're looking at a poacher's goal from Lewandowski. And then finally, they knew last season they needed someone to help them with a ruthless counterattack. And what do they do? Leroy Sanders steps up. So for me, Bayern have always had that maturity in the Bundesliga of knowing how to get it across the line because they can hurt you in so many ways. Dortmund, so many bright sparks, so many young, young talented players. It's just a pity that they're in a league where Bayern are so dominant in that sense. But again, it was a great classicer, And we've had a couple of good ones over the last couple of years. I enjoyed this game over the weekend.
3: Mm, it was a good game. Haaland's goal was really nice as well. So, but uh, defeat, yeah. defeat for Dortmund. Uh, in La Liga, it was Barcelona 5, Betis 2. Uh, Leo Messi scored his first goal. From open play, <laughs> not a penalty. Uh, Craig Wilkie, I saw the goals for this one. They look good. Uh, coupled with the fact that Real Madrid were absolutely tonked by
4: Valencia. So a good weekend for, for the Catalans. It was a good weekend for Barcelona. A weekend they probably needed. Uh, both those big Spanish clubs seem to be competing for the title of crisis club right at the moment, don't they? But it was a, it was a fascinating weekend with Messi starting on the bench which I don't know if he had a knock or if that was just Coleman trying to assert some sort of authority or whatever it might have been. But when he came on, well, within two minutes, I don't know if you saw the step over for the Griezmann goal. I mean, just a little touch of absolute magic from him. Then he scores a penalty, he scores a wonderful goal from open play. So just as a reminder that, you know, yeah, I'm I'm still around, I'm still quite good. He's available on
3: a free next season, isn't he? (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
4: Well, I've always said that you should consider Dundee United as the only side to have beaten <laughs> every time they played them. But
3: we'll, we'll see about when we come to that. Let's jump to Dez for Real Madrid's tonking by Valencia. Singapore's Valencia, I might add. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean,
1: there's a lot wrong with this Real Madrid side. Well, firstly, the hilarity of uh, Sergio Ramos being on the wrong side of a VAR decision. How did Chappell- <laughs> Uh, but the, the, the one that really confused me was the, the Soler penalty, the first penalty, uh, which Courtois has saved. And then uh, the rebound has been uh, put in and it's been disallowed. And I still haven't worked out whether it was Courtois moving or a player encroaching. Uh, uh, it was it says encroachment on, on all the reports. So the encroachment, in my understanding, is a free kick to the, uh, the, to the offending team. Or oh, have I got that wrong? I, I thought I'd read the, the laws. Encroachment
3: results in a retake.
1: I know oh, retake. Penalty, in yeah. which case, then I'll 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 brush up on the laws. Um, but if it's an encro- it's an encroachment because they scored. But it's it's in the third phase of play. Yeah. So these laws are a little <laughs> bit confusing because the save has happened. The second shot's gone in, and it's the third goal that, that that's happened. So I, I was I was really confused and then amused by Real Madrid. I know i a big Madrid fan, but um, I, I I I just find them.
3: Four points off the top, Arvin. Uh, it's a heavy defeat. They do have a game in hand. Uh, Benzema went off injured. Now that's a worry because there's no real other forward there.
2: Yeah. And I think Craig summed it up the best this season in La Liga. And it's been it's been a decline for both these major clubs for a couple of years now. They, they are, for one way or another, having crisis. Barcelona have got managerial crisis and ball crisis. Uh, Madrid have got more player crisis, I would say. That when I watch this game, and if you look at any headline today morning, all you will see is Sergio Ramos's head in his hands because he cannot understand how this has happened. You've Out of the back four, one of your defenders has got an own goal. All the other three has conceded a penalty. <laughs> Thibaut Cotto is thinking to himself, what am I supposed to do with this right now? So it was an absolute disaster. Marcelo, for the last eight games, whenever he starts, Real have lost. So you show that he's a declining force over there. Varane keeps making mistakes. Isco has come out and said, play me more. But when you play him more, he doesn't do enough. Modric is the only one that last night came out from any, in any sense of uh, of, being, of doing well on the pitch. So Madrid have got issues. But then again, you look at it this way. They beat Inter in the, in, in the Champions League when they needed to. And then they lose. Mm. It will be up and down throughout the season, like what Craig said. Just so. like
3: a team I know in the EPL. <laughs> yeah, who does that remind you? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, in fact. All right, let's wrap up with uh, some Scottish football. Uh, Stevie G's Rangers absolutely tongued. Hamilton Academicals 8-0 in this one. They're nine points clear at the top of the
4: SPL, Craig Wilkie. Uh, we're not going to get Celtic winning the title. Shock, horror. Well, it's, it's still a little bit early days to be calling that, but uh, Rangers are looking incredibly good. We probably expected that Gerard would have a good managerial career, and the start that he's made, wow, it's so impressive. And there's a couple of things that stand out for me. One is Rangers have played 14 games in the league this season, and they've only conceded three goals. Now, you can talk about the, the quality in the Scottish Premier League all you want, but that's still a phenomenal defensive record. And even more impressively is the fact that last midweek, they went away in Portugal and got a three-all draw in the Europa League. And they're they're top of that group in the Europa League as well. So he's showing that they can do it at that level too. And, uh, you know, Celtic have got a couple of games in hand, but they haven't looked particularly convincing this season. So once again, another league where we're going to get a title race at long last. I think it will only be a two-horse race, but that's better than we've had for a while. Uh, But I would make Rangers favorites right now. And when we're we're talking about Scottish football, let's also just mention... uh, Kieran Tierney's little cameo for Arsenal. That, I don't know if you've you seen that. Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> where, where, where he yeah. fell over. So, you know, yeah. that's, uh, <laughs> that's the sort of skill that we're renowned for in, in the Scottish game. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Good stuff. Um, Des, looking into the, the crystal ball that you have at des.com, um,
1: do you see Steven Gerrard as a future Liverpool manager, perhaps? Uh, wait and see. I, I want to mention Montrose first. Montrose in League One are on a bit of a charge. They're my old club, you see. So always keep an eye out for Montrose. So if we're talking jock football, we've got to talk about Montrose. All right. Fair uh, Stephen enough. Gerrard, he, he's, he's done great. Um, uh, that, is, that, it, that is it
3: important, this, this period in Scotland for Stevie G?
1: Absolutely. Look, look what it's done for Brendan Rogers. It rounded Brendan Rogers off when he was at Celtic. Um, yes, you're expected to win games, but that expectation can have a very draining oh, yeah. effect because you, you're not allowed to make mistakes. Literally one defeat and it's catastrophic. It's a bit like, not quite Real Madrid, but the, the, the Glasgow fans, the Scottish fans, are they are on you pretty quickly if you're not performing. So this is a, a pressure cooker situation. And uh, to have that defensive record um, is impressive. It, it, it bodes well for, for a long-term career. Yeah. I would hope he comes back because he's such a legend but um, you, you can't guarantee success but he's made a great start
3: good stuff good stuff there we have it that's your weekend's football as we ease into the international break we'll be back on radio talking about international football for now I say thank you to Craig Wilkie thank you very much come on the Scots at the end of this week it's the huge game uh, thank you to Arvin Sidhu take care everyone good to talk and thanks Des Corkill who's showing his arm a la Patrick Bamford styley? doesn't work on Radio Des.
1: TNPR in Malaysia, Thursday and Friday quarterfinals. You can catch it on Unify YouTube, Unified TV, and a couple of games on RTM as well.
3: Have a great week, everybody. Bye-bye.
2: Off the Ball, every Monday on BFM
0: 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast.